Oh, my God. 
After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Monday. Back to school, back to work we go. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program.
and all through history. It's been so plain for all to see. Open your eyes, you'll realize my Sephardim. Now wake up, it's snowing. Look around and you'll see. It's that eternal plan. It's for us, can't you see? And though we feel this pain, that special day is almost here. You are a Jew. It's all for you, my
מוכנים? רוצה להקדיש את השיר. To the best soldiers in the world. חיילי צה"ל. Yeah, I see. 
מלכים גדולים, מדינות ענק ואימפריות כה גדולות כמעט שנעלמו ואנחנו עוד כאן כך אלפי שנים מעטים מורבים ואין ספר של ניסים עם ישראל חי, אנחנו עוד כאן אנחנו עוד כאן עודה ה' עודה לך אבא דואג ואוהב זה עושה טוב מלא עודה ה' עודה לך אבא מושלם נאמן כל הזמן עודה ה' עודה לך אבא דואג ואוהב זה עושה טוב J.M. in the A.M. Good morning. Welcome, everyone. It's a Monday on this March the 12th, the 25th day in the month of Adar. My name is Nahum Siegel. It's a J.M. in the A.M. broadcast from our New York City studios. Bright and early as we are heading back to school and back to work, and I thank all of you out there who choose us to accompany you back to school and back to work, especially after the weekend. It is much appreciated. Today's a big day for us. Charlie Harari is going to be visiting JM in the AM. The brand new book is Unlocking Greatness. Charlie joins us coming up. Um, starting at about 8 o'clock this morning. Third hour of JM in the AM. Yeah, we are excited to uh, welcome him into our studios. My thanks to Amatis for uh, conducting JM Sunday. My thanks to Avrami for conducting uh, Saturday Night Seagull. My thanks to uh, Mark Zamek for conducting the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show. Uh, we have amazing weekend programming, and um, it is incredible how much of a following our weekend hosts have, and I uh, do not take their participation and their commitment for granted. I thank them very, very much. And yesterday we had a chance to um, enhance our weekend programming even further with the um, broadcast from the Mega event, Nefesh Benefesh, now known as the Mega. Yeah, the Mega event is now known as the Mega, basically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's gotten to that point where it's branded with its own one-word uh, reference. Met a lot of great people. Most noteworthy for us is that the Jerusalem Post fed our feed to their millions of followers. And we expanded our uh, audience even further. So big thank you to Jerusalem Post for entrusting us with the uh, task of giving everyone around the world the taste of the mega event. And, of course, to my entire team, a big yashikoch for uh, making it happen. So that was really a... Uh, a wonderful day, and uh, we met a lot of people, a lot of people who want to head to Israel and be part of this North American aliyah to uh, to Aretz. Really amazing. And kudos, of course, to Rabbi Fast, Tony Gelbart, the entire staff, everybody who uh, had a role in yesterday's big event. It was really nice. 
Uh, Monday morning, here we are. Brand new week, daylight saving time. Those of you who forgot to, cl- to change the clock, uh, guess what? It's miraculous that you're even tuned in because uh, for you it would be 5.35 in the morning. It's really 6.35 Eastern time right now, a six-hour difference between us and the state of Israel in the Eastern time zone, a six-hour difference between us and the state of Israel for the next couple of weeks. A week from Friday, Israel will change the daylight savings time. We'll be back to a seven-hour difference. Right now it's a six-hour difference. And um, everything's a lot later than uh, than you remember it. <laughs> Sunset a lot later, sunrise a lot later, and uh, obviously candle lighting on Shabbos will be a lot later. Um, anyway, they're all talking about this storm. They're all talking about this storm that might hit this area. Um, 33 degrees outside right now, 68% humidity, winds north at 7, mostly cloudy today with a high 44, rain and snow tonight, low 34, and then morning snow showers, a high 44. A couple of inches might fall between tonight and tomorrow in New York City. Right now, Yerushalayim is at 63, where they had an amazing Jerusalem marathon on Friday. Congrats to all the people who concluded their, uh, their assigned goals of the Jerusalem marathon. And here in New York City, we're at 33 as we wake up on a Monday at JM in the AM. It's Shmuley Unger. He is next. The uh, selection is entitled, oh, there we go. The selection is entitled Mach Abracha by request from the NSN app at JM in the AM.
לפחד Let's go. 
of the FDIC. Monday morning, we'll do our news from Israel coming up. Remember, there's a six-hour difference right now between us in the Eastern Time Zone and the State of Israel. A six-hour difference. It'll be like that for a couple of weeks till Israel gets to daylight saving time. All right, so keep that in mind. Uh, once they get to a daylight saving time, it'll be back to a uh, seven-hour difference. A reminder that tomorrow the Center for Anxiety presents an interactive workshop discussing social anxiety. This is happening tomorrow night, 6.30 p.m. at their center at 3692 Bedford Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. It'll be led by Yoni Sobin. You're all invited to attend. To find out more, go to the uh, web, centerforanxiety.org, centerforanxiety.org, or dial 888-837-7473, for details about that. Galit's on the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. Mazal tov to all the honorees at the uh, Mayanot annual scholarship dinner this past Saturday night. Galait Sal in the background. Galait Sal, Israel Army Radio, 1 p.m. newscast for a Monday's next to Jam. <laughs> ועדת הכספים של הכנסת מצביעה בשעה זו על סעיפי תקציב 2019. בישיבה המשתתפים 33 חברי כנסת, אך רק חברי הוועדה רשאים להצביע. יושב ראש ועדת הכספים, חבר הכנסת משה גפני מיהדות התורה אמר, אנחנו גם ככה מסובכים לגמרי, אני מקווה שלא אקבל טלפון לעצור את ההצבעה. שר הדתות דוד אזולאי התפטר בדקות האחרונות מהכנסת בשל מצבו הרפואי. בנו ימונה לחבר כנסת במקומו, כתבנו הפוליטי מיכאל האוזר טוב. בשל מצבו הבריאותי, השר אזולאי החליט לסיים את תפקידו בכנסת, אך הוא יישאר שר הדתות. בחודשים האחרונים אזולאי נעדר מכמה וכמה ישיבות והצבעות בשל אשפוזים בבתי החולים, ואפילו רעיון ההתפטרות מהכנסת עלה כבר בעבר ונפסל. לאחרונה עם זאת נראה שמצבו התייצב. בנו, ינון אזולאי, ייכנס כעת לכנסת במקומו. הסתיים המבצע ללכידת התוקף שהתבצר בבית בחיפה, פצע שני שוטרים וזוג קשישים קשה וקל, כתבנו קובי מנדל. בשעה 12 ניתן העוד ולוחמי הימ"מ פרצו לחדר בו התבצר האדם כבן השלושים, אשר פצע קודם לכן את דיירי הדירה קשישים כבני שמונים. הם השתלטו עליו באמצעות גז מדמיע והוא עבר לחקירה כשהוא אזוק בידיו. בעל הדירה כבן השמונים אושפז במצב קשה בבית החולים רמב״ם ואשתו במצב קל בבית החולים בני ציון. שני שוטרים שנפצעו קודם לכן על ידי החשוד מאושפזים במצב קל. לראש הממשלה נתניהו שיבח בטוויטר את לוחמי הימ״מ והשוטרים על עבודתם בזירה. מנכ״לית משרד המשפטים אמי פלמור מגבה את פרקליט המדינה שי ניצן שטען אמש לעולם לא נגייס עדי שקר וזאת בתגובה על מתקפות ראש הממשלה. רינו צרור שוחח איתה. שיש פה מערכת אכיפה עצמאית, חזקה, ושיש פה מדינה לא מפחדת להסתכל במראה ולראות את הדברים שצריך לבאר אותם. מערכת המשפט הזאת שממומנת ומתוקצבת על ידי הממשלות המתחלפות ממשיכה כל הזמן להעלות את הנורמות ולהעלות את הדרישות. הדבר הזה מעיד על איתנות. מנכ"ל משרד האוצר שי באבד מתייחס לראשונה לדוח ה-OECD ולפיו לצד התחזקות הכלכלה הישראלית יש עלייה במספר העניים במדינה ועלתה גם הצפיפות בכבישים. באבד אמר לגלי צה"ל עלינו לטפל בבעיות רבות במדינה אבל בלי העברת התקציב 
לא נוכל לטפל בהן. היום המצב הוא שיש פערים גדולים שהכישורים של אלה שנמצאים היום בשוק העבודה הם נמוכים ואני אומר לך שהממשלה משקיעה היום כן. מאות מיליונים כדי להתחיל לעשות הכשרות נכונות התקציב כבר בגדול כבר די מוכן לקריאה שנייה ושלישית כל חברי הכנסת וכל, ה... וכל האנשים הנוגעים בדבר יגלו את האחריות כדי להעביר את התקציב על מנת שכל התוכניות יקרו אם לא נאשר את התקציב אז כל התוכניות האלה נעצרות בנפאל מטוס נוסעים בנגלדשי התרסק בעת הנחיתה, על פי הדיווחים כשבעים בני אדם שהו עליו, כתבנו יותם לחובסקי. המטוס של חברת U.S. בנגלה היה בדרכו מנמל התעופה בבירת בנגלדש דקה לקטמנדו שבנפאל. הטייס איבד שליטה על המטוס בעת הנחיתה והתרסק לתוך מגרש כדורגל סמוך, שם עלה באש. על פי דיווחים כשבעים בני אדם היו על המטוס, עד כה נקבע מותם של שלושים ושישה מהם, כחמישה עשר נוספים חולצו וקיים חשש כבד לגורל הנוסעים האחרים. ומזג האוויר, עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות, ביום רביעי כבר חם ויבש. אלה החדשות שעורכת תמר פלד. הוא יברך את החתן 
ואת הכלה, את החתן, ואת הכלה, הוא יברך את החתן, ואת הכלה, את החתן, ואת הכלה.
מלאכים שומרים עלינו, מלווים את החיים, מאירים לנו את הדרך, ואנחנו לא עותקים נופלים עלינו, מתקנים את השברים, נסתרות רחב למעלה, מה אנחנו כבר יודעים? ניצוצות של גאולה מתגלים עכשיו, נותנים לנו תקווה. אין סוף לטוב שיבוא עלינו. הסוף הטוב קרוב כל כך עכשיו. מסתתר בתוך השקט. וממתין ליום בשורה. עוד יבוא זמן שנשב כאן, אז תתבהר האפלה. ניצוצות של גאולה, מתגלים עכשיו, נותנים לנו תקווה. אין סוף לטוב שיבוא עלינו, הסוף הטוב קרוב כל כך J.M. in the A.M. That's uh, Nito Tso done by uh, Yaakov Shweki off of the uh, album entitled We Are a Miracle. Quarter after 7 o'clock, daylight saving time on this uh, Monday morning as we head back to school and back to work. Shamayim had Nachamu. You heard me Adir done by Sandy Shmueli off of uh, Anishar. 33 degrees, mostly cloudy, a high 44. Rain and snow tonight and tomorrow. Total accumulations, who knows? Seems to be anybody's guess at this point. 
Yerushalayim right now at 63 with a big shout out to those who ran in the Jerusalem Marathon on uh, Friday. A lot of uh, organizations had the great fundraising days. A lot of uh, individuals had uh, amazing runs on Friday. So, kol uh to those who ran in the Jerusalem Marathon this past Friday in Israel. Let's see if there's a... Uh, Should be an article online about the marathon. I don't know why I can't find it right now. Or a couple of uh, interesting pieces of information I wanted to share regarding the marathon. Well, I'll wait until I until I find the uh, the info. Anyway, uh, again, uh, big yeshikach to those who ran and everybody who uh, who did well in the uh, big uh, Jerusalem marathon. Uh, many of you probably heard about the disaster here in New York. Helicopter carrying six people crashed into the East River very close to here uh, in the uh, 80s on the east side of Manhattan, killing everybody aboard aside from the pilot. Two of the five passengers died at the scene. Three were taken to two area hospitals, and they were, and they were, um, and they later passed away. The pilot freed himself and was rescued and treated and released in good condition from the hospital. The FAA said it went down about 7 p.m. It was investigating. And uh, this uh, certainly a big tragedy here in New York as this what seems to be a helicopter accident caused the death of five people last night on Sunday night. JM and the AM on a Monday as we continue. A reminder that Yeshiva League Sports Update is tomorrow morning right around this time at 7.20. Uh, we'll get more information regarding what's going on with the basketball. It has been uh, a little bit of a, um, <laughs> a choppy schedule in terms of the uh, basketball semifinals and what eventually will be the basketball finals. Hockey is in place for this coming Sunday. We will broadcast the hockey um, uh, Sunday afternoon, both the Junior Varsity and the Varsity. Uh, we'll be doing that at NahumSiegel.com with a big thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm and to uh, Regal Bank of New Jersey, RegalBankNJ.com. Um, so make sure to be uh, tuned in tomorrow when Elliot Weiselberg gives us the latest regarding the Yeshiva League sports update here at JM in the AM. The weather has caused uh, a bit of a scheduling snafu. Oh, the truth is there may be further word about this when Seth Gordon joins Yoni Pollock at 10 a.m. this morning after the uh, Israel show with Mayor Weingarten, uh, after further review, will air at 10 a.m. Eastern time. It's very possible that Yoni will pin down Seth for uh, additional information regarding the Yeshiva League uh, championships. All right, so uh, between that and our Yeshiva League sports update tomorrow morning, we'll hopefully be completely informed and we'll know what to expect uh, coming up from the Yeshiva League. Meanwhile, more coming up here at JM in the AM with Avi Peretz.
J.M. in the A.M. Not bad, huh? Not bad at all. That's Avremo Avram Freed here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, before that was Lo'avo live in Israel. Before that, you heard the um, Avi Peretz selection, Lonaf Seek, here on a Monday morning. Heading back to school, back to work. I thank you so much for tuning in. I know there's some snow on the way. Oh, yes, we know, all right. And there's some snow on the way. Who knows? Maybe it'll be uh, just a dusting. Who could tell? <laughs> uh, rain and snow tonight, low 34. Morning snow for tomorrow. Uh, total accumulations, I don't know, an inch or two in the city, they're saying, but who knows for sure. In some areas, we may get uh, more than that. Anyway, that's the story on a Monday morning as you uh, tune into JM and AM, and I thank you. I want to thank all those who were tuned in yesterday with a major thank you to Jerusalem Post who carried our feed uh, while we did the uh, mega event broadcast with Nefesh Benefesh. Kolak and thank you. Also, a big thank you to uh, the Rothenberg Law Firm and the Regal Bank of New Jersey. They'll bring you the hockey championships this coming Sunday. Our next Yeshiva League sports update tomorrow morning in the 7 o'clock hour with Elliot Weiselberg. Make sure to be tuned in. Charlie Harari is expected in our studio a half hour from now to discuss his brand new book. I recommend you stay tuned in here at JM in the AM. Remember the Goldwasser's words? And Esther here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. We read in the Torah, Yaakov called for his son Yosef and said, Please do not bury me in Egypt. Rashi offers various explanations for this request. One is that Yaakov knew that those who die outside of Israel would not be resurrected 
until they roll under the earth to Eretz Yisrael. The Talmud in Ksubus presents a discussion on the topic of Tchias Amesim, or the resurrection of the dead. Rebbe Lozer says that those who die outside of Eretz Yisrael will not be resurrected. The question arises, how is it possible that the righteous, the tzaddikim in Chutzla'aretz, would not be revived? Rabbi Lai comments that their bones will roll until Eretz Yisrael, and then they will be resurrected there. Rabal Basala disagreed because the rolling would be painful for the tzaddikim. Abai concluded that the ground would be hollowed out underground. Rashi explains that the tzaddikim would stand on their feet and walk through underground tunnels to Eretz Yisrael. As opposed to those who were not meritorious, their bones would roll underground. When Yaakov Zen draws near, he requests of Yosef, For I will lie down with my fathers. You shall transport me out of Egypt and bury me in the tomb. Yosef similarly makes his brothers swear, You must bring my bones up to Eretz Yisrael out of here. Karin and Rabbi Hanina respectively remark on the burden that was placed on others, despite the fact that it is known that tzaddikim outside of Eretz Yisrael will also be resurrected. They note that both Yaakov and Yosef were concerned that perhaps they might be unworthy to roll through the tunnels. The Mesorah Sashas comments that Yaakov Avinu didn't want to have to endure going through the tunnels in order to reach Eretz Yisrael. With reference to this, the Ben Ishchai cites the Chassam Soifer on the words of the blessing of Ahava Rabba that we say every morning. There we say, and lead us upright to our land. We similarly say in the Berch HaSamazan, the grace after meals, the explanation is, that those who are righteous but buried outside of Eretz Yisrael will merit to walk upright rather than having their bones roll. The Ben Ishchai notes that in Baghdad it was customary to bury the Nifter with his head pointing to Eretz Yisrael so that he would be facing the right direction when he was stood upright. There is still yet another explanation, that we will be led upright to our land. That means that we will all be zoicha, that we should continue to live until the time of Tchias HaMesim. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. Oh, I am Kisoni.
Yummy Lowy with Malacha, Monday morning broadcast. It's JM in the AM. Good morning, everybody. 20 minutes before 8 o'clock. Today's the day we uh, unlock greatness with Charlie Harari. The book is called Unlocking Greatness, and he is scheduled to be in our studio coming up here at JM in the AM as the brand new book hits the uh, hits the stores and hits the web, and uh, we get all the details from him. So he'll be joining us coming up. Looking forward to his visit to our main studio here in New York City. Get ready for Charlie Harari here at JM in the AM. I want to thank all those responsible for our weekend programming, including Mark Zomik, the um, Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show, including Avrami for Saturday Night Seagull, including Matis with JM Sunday. Thank you to the Jerusalem Post for uh, utilizing our um, broadcast yesterday for their millions of viewers around the world. Um, it was really a great partnership, and this was done for the um, mega event at Nefesh Benefesh at John Jay College. And for us, it was really a uh, a wonderful afternoon, and a big thank you to everybody at um, at the Jerusalem Post for making it happen. And to Rayut and Noah and everybody who's been so cooperative over the last few weeks, a big, big thank you. Oh, hot is next. It's JM in the AM.
Garrison Freistadt's ready to tickle the ivories, as they say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's test this out. Oh, you were you were right when you said we'd be able to hear this without a problem. You want to turn that mic anyway in that direction or not? Yeah, why not? It works. It works, but wait a second. As you do your intro, I want to give you a little bit of reverb. Oh. So we, we can make your morning even easier. <laughs> a kilo, please. Excuse me? A kilo. Uh, not a pound, a kilo. He uh, needs a, kilo. a kilo of reverb? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was an official music term, which I'm completely unfamiliar with. <laughs> so this song is a song for my new album. It's the second song of the album. It's a song that I'm singing actually with my son, Eyal. And it's a, spe- it's a very special song for me because, um, you know, there are a lot of tefillas and bakoshas. And for me, my son was born two days before Shoshana. And as I remember... The first fillah, as you say, you know, after the bris and Ervium Kipper, um, there is a Birka Sabonim. And I remember it, um, the first time saying this fillah for my first baby boy. Very special to me. And when I started to look out for words for my new album, I came across Ervium Kipper and those words. And that's the song that came. And I, I don't know if you remember, I sang it on Hask, this, this Hask with Jonathan Schoenfeld. So here it is. Ohad live at Jam in the AM. Vihi Rotson Vilifne of Vinu Shebashoma in Shaitain Behelipho Ahavosoi Vihirosoi Vesihiras Hashem Alponeho. Kol yemei yemei chayechon Kol yemei yemei chayecho Skim Call <laughs> 
J.M. in the A.M. with Ohad live in our studio. Fantastic.
J.M. and the A.M. Ibane done by Shalshelis uh, off of their most recent album entitled uh, We're Coming Home. Uh, before that, Ohad Yasimcha done with us at J.M. and A.M. Live six years ago. Shir Harparnasa, that was off of the Echad Yachid album here at J.M. and A.M. Monday morning, Charlie Harari expected in studio in the next few minutes. The book is called Unlocking Greatness. We look forward to his visit here at J.M. and the A.M. By the way, I wanted to mention that uh, today, actually yesterday, the um, 11th of March, the anniversary of the Itamar massacre from seven years ago when Ehud Fogel and his wife Ruth were murdered, as were Yoav Fogel, 11 years old, Elad, 4 years old, and Hadas, 3 months old, attacked and murdered by terrorists in their own home. Couldn't let this uh, weekend go by without remembering them seven years later, the Fogel family. Monday morning broadcast, JM in the AM. Um, I mentioned that the Jerusalem Marathon took place uh, this past Friday. And um, <laughs> it turns, I didn't even realize it turns out that the person who's the uh, fastest female in Israel is a friend of the Siegel family. I didn't realize that. The fastest Israeli woman to run the 2018 Jerusalem Marathon did so wearing a skirt and head covering and with her family cheering from the sidelines. This is the Jerusalem Post. Uh, B.D. Deitch, a religious immigrant from the U.S., I'm told she's originally from Atlanta, who lives in Jerusalem, clocked a time of 3.09.50 on Friday, making her the fastest Israeli woman, the fifth fastest woman, and the 25th quickest runner overall to finish in the race. Uh, Deutsch could not be reached for comment. She's 28 years old, but she wrote an emotional Facebook post after completing the marathon. There are no words to describe my experience today running the Jerusalem Marathon for the first time, she wrote, adding that her finishing time was one she never thought possible. The atmosphere in Yerushalayim is incredible. So many Jews all coming together to raise money for beautiful causes, the unity, the pride. It is truly special, but what stands out most for me personally is a feeling I had of God accompanying me every step of the way. How amazing is that? She's a mother of five, full-time job at a not-for-profit organization, but has always found time to train. Last month, she ran the Tel Aviv a half marathon, an impressive 130-21. Last year, she raised eyebrows when she finished a full Tel Aviv marathon while seven months pregnant. <laughs> Despite the advanced pregnancy and a stress factor, she fin fracture, she finished in 4.08, well below the average time for women marathoners. Wow. She was running Friday for two charities, one family, and debate Daniela, named for Deutsch's cousin Daniela Pardes, who took her life in December at the age of 14 after battling anorexia. Unbelievable. So there you have it. That is... Uh, that is the story that that is the story I think that came out of the Jerusalem Marathon. Uh, aside from the other story, which was the record number of uh, participants for charities, etc. Um, but the B.D. Deitch, religious immigrant from the U.S. who lives in Yerushalayim, turned out to be the story this year from the Jerusalem Marathon. A couple of minutes to go before eight o'clock. Charlie Harari scheduled to join us. More coming up at J.M. in the A.M.
J.M. and the A.M., Charlie Harari is going to join us in the next couple of minutes here at J.M. and the A.M. with his brand new book, Unlocking Greatness. That was Chaim David Burson with Simchas Olam. You heard Avremo, Achim Banefesh, and this is America's one and only Jewish moment in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com, on the NachumSingle Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Six minutes after 8 o'clock again, Charlie Harari coming up next. Kishe Adam Loy Mitoido, Oi Shoi Semitzvo, A Haimisim Hobi Kokas and Ho, Kishe Adam Loy Mitoido, Oi Shoi Semitzvo, A Haimisim Hobi Kokas and Ho, Kishe Adam Loy Mitoido, Oi Shoi Semitzvo, A Haimisim Hobi Kokas and Ho. Se ho simcho, noi gas, andrano, 
with Simcha Liner. It's brand new, of course, Moroccade. Monday morning. I don't know if Simcha would consider that brand new. It's been out a while, actually, but uh, for us, it is still brand new and fresh and sounds great. JM and the AM on a Monday morning, and we've been uh, we've been uh, trumpeting the fact that uh, Charlie Harari would be in studio with us this morning in hour number three to discuss the brand new book. The book is called Unlocking Greatness. The Unexpected Journey from the Life You Have to the Life You Want. It's Charlie Harari with Mark D'Agostino. It is, if I have this pronounced properly, a Rodale Books release. That's the proper pronunciation. Rodale Books and Charlie Harari. Welcome back to JM in the AM. What an honor to be here. Thank you, Nachum. It's so great to be in the studio with you in the Lower East Side, the Holy Lower East Side. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thanks for coming in. As you know from my... Social media post. It was a 
It was a great moment when this book arrived. <laughs> I mentioned to you off the air, although I don't like discussing anything with the author before we start our conversation on the air, but I did say one thing to you, and that was that I enjoyed parts of this book so much. I mean, I enjoyed the whole thing, but certain parts I just enjoyed so much. It was a great read, and um, I'm going to start with this. I don't know if this is fair. This might be an unfair thing for me to do because I don't think there's only one theme to this book. I think there are multiple themes. But if someone really pinned me down and said, Siegel, what is it that Harari is saying in this book? I sort of feel that you're saying that destiny is in our own hands. The old sports metaphor, right? Right. Destiny is in our own hands. That we control a lot more of our present and future than we think they than we think we do. Would that be at all a uh, an accurate description? Absolutely. You you literally hit the pin exactly like exactly on the, on its tip. That the goal of the book is to move the, if you will, if we think we have a certain amount of control over our lives, like a very small amount of control, it's really to expand that circle. God runs the world. Right. And at the end of the day, what happens to us, what's within us, what's around us is all God. However, a lot of, pe- a lot of people think that much of their lives is given to them. And they are playing a very small role on trying to get by and the kids and the spouse and they were... They were given this and they were given that. And then it goes even further, right? They were given how they were raised, their experiences, how they deal with things, their anxiety. There's so many things in our minds and in the world around us that we just assume we are passive for when, in fact, we are active for. Right. And part of life is not to say – it's not life isn't binary. Life isn't a light switch. It's not either I'm in full control or I'm in no control. People like that a lot. It's either it's all in God's hands – or there's nothing, or and there's nothing me, or it's in my hands. And people, it's very hard to grapple with just how much Hashem puts in our hands, and says, "Listen, I've given you an incredible body with a, a, a incredible mind and a soul, and I put you in this world, and you got to you got to like work. You got to you got to make it right. happen." And by the way, that includes people who have deficiencies in their body. That the, I mean, it, 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 yeah, it means not just healthy people; it means everybody. Yeah, because you give examples of people who are in really difficult circumstances who make the most of it, to say the least. Right, and who certainly you know jump into that uh, area where you know they believe that destiny is in their own hands. Um, so you know, there are many cliches and and accurate slogans that we've heard over the years. Um, you know, uh, you're as happy as you want to be. Um, uh, you, uh, you, know, you, the way you react, you can't control when something happens or how it happens, but the way you react to it, you can control. So we've heard things like this over the years. It, it seems like those themes are part of your big picture. That all of those things are, you know, part of this whole taking control of yourself and really advancing oneself. And one other point before you answer, one other point for us and this audience. You are speaking to a generally very faithful community, one that does put a tremendous amount of of um, stock in God, in the fact that God runs the world, as you just mentioned. And if you were to ask people in this audience, what percentage of your life is guided by God or Torah principles, most of them would likely say 100%, that basically everything I do or don't do in a typical day, is guided by the rule book of God. With that in mind, is it harder for us to adjust to us being in control of our own destiny when, in fact, 
we are leading our lives 100% quote-unquote controlled by God's rules? No, I think that's the point. I mean, the, the whole goal of the book, if in, in the middle of the book we speak about this idea of unity, right? Unity really comes from the principle of Yichud Hashem. In fact, this book is built on the principles of Panemius. And one of the things I tried to do, because it's published by a division of Random House, it was it's not a Jewish book, but the principles are 100% aligned with Kabbalah and Hasidus. In fact, what we're doing next is publishing Mar Makomos off the book. Huh. And I already have two hours of shiurim that we'll hopefully get out to the public post this book launch to show that everything in the book is totally aligned with what I think Kodesh Baruch Hu is teaching us and telling us for our everyday life. So living a life based on Torah and Hashem is exactly aligned with this. But here is where I think we make the mistake in that part of what we are supposed to do in this world is grow and be better. That's our. If that wasn't the case, there'd be no Yom Kippur, there'd be no Tshuva, there'd be no Tachanun. The whole goal Hashem says is, listen, you can't come in here and sit on the couch. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm not giving you remote control. The, the idea is like, you gotta work. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, the, the, a man's job is to be Amal, is to work, is to, is to make something of him or herself throughout their lives. Most people think that work takes place in hands, in what I do. And they don't, it's hard to understand the power of the mind because we can't see the mind because it's, we think it's us. And that is the, the, the hardest and the most incredible thing to understand that the mind is a muscle like any other part of your body. And if you work it properly, you'll have a different life. And if you don't, just like you tell you, if someone says something, I'd love to like lose weight, but like. It's all in Hashem's hands. Hashem's right. like, really? Okay, I know it's in my hands, but right. like the 18th helping of chillin doesn't actually help my cause. You know what I'm saying? Just, but <laughs> work, 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 work with me. Work with me a drop. You know, I put you in this world. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't kvetch to me when you're on the seventh portion of dessert. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not taking all your calories. I know your grandmother said that you don't get calories when you eat somewhere around Shabbos, you know? <laughs> but, <laughs> Any of the six days that's around Shabbos. Right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, until Tuesday if you're holding, and then Thursday it's already almost Shabbos. So if you eat any calories from Thursday to Tuesday, the malachim take it. <laughs> And that I'm with never you. Never works, you know. It just never works. <laughs> right. And yeah. I'm with you, Hashem. Says, and like, I love you, and, I, and I'm with you. But you gotta like, I put you in this world for a reason. Like, you know, I want you to be healthy. You gotta take care of your body. Like, eat healthy. But when it comes to one's mind, and this is really the core impetus of, of the book. And mind is not brain. Mind is not exactly. Brain. Right. When it comes to one's mind, your mind is connected to your soul. Your brain is a piece of machinery that God gives you. Right. So your brain has habits. It has insecurities, and those insecurities are fixable, but they take a lot of time. But once you see your brain, the way you would see your body, the way you would see your muscles, then you can say, hey, wait a second, I have this issue, or I don't know this subject, but I can learn this subject, and I can do these things. And that person we had in the book, Barbara Arrowsmith, mm -hmm. this woman was told basically that she has to live her life, and she's totally, listen, everyone has their own sort of mental challenges. I don't want right. to put everything into one bucket, right. but- her challenges was she couldn't even understand any level of analysis. And they said to her basically like, you're done. And she's like, what do you mean I'm done? They're like, well, we can't teach you. And she's like, well, I'll just figure out a new way to learn something. And she ultimately creates this incredible career for herself. And that's, I think the most empowering thing we can understand is that when you're born with Selamedo Kim, you don't have less power. You have more power. You have Hashem's power. It's not like you sit around and go, listen, we have Arabs around us, but like, 
you know, okay, listen, like hopefully, Hashem, no, you, the army is a piece of Hashem, right? The the work we do every day, when you go to work every day, Hashem is through you. And when you recognize how much Hashem has given you and what body he has given you, yeah, it only makes you feel more powerful. I think a lot of us uh, sometimes get into the trap where it's us against Shachros and Mincha. It's us, you know, that, that we... That we, it's a battle, you know, we always talk about the battle with the eight Zahara and that, you know, and we don't realize sometimes that all those things are in our lives to enhance our lives and to, you know, help us grow, help us improve. And, and that can be, that can be difficult. Also, um, I wonder if things are more difficult today because you point out in the book that the brain is satisfied more quickly than it used to be because of Google and finding information immediately in this very shallow understanding of the world really comes very quickly to everybody is the is the mind even more ignored today because the brain is so much more quickly satisfied absolutely and this is exactly the way you work, your brain works is through neuroplasticity right as you have a thought your thoughts literally cr- create the structure of your brain and when you have thoughts when those thoughts are are, are filled with stimulus they they get almost stronger and quicker so in the old days, when you had to figure out information and knowledge and it took a long time doing it, what you were doing is filling in a depth. Your, your brain was having depth. It was thinking through things. And so when you had a subject, your mind had a lot of intricacies and small nuances around each subject. Today, we think we know something when we Google it in a second. So what we know is very little about a billion things. And then we say to ourselves, well, why do I have to learn more? I can just Google it. The idea of I can just Google something is I don't got to think. Because let, let the computer think for me. And that's good if you want to like know how to get somewhere. But it's really detrimental if you want to have any level of knowledge of something. And so as a result, if things don't feel really quick, if we don't get stimulus right away every second of every moment, we start getting bored. And then since there's more stimulus out there, as opposed to taking the time right. that in the old days you got bored, but you know what? You sucked it up and then right. you learned. But, and then, but you have children in the phone generation. Do, do you fear that they you know, could grow up with this you know, shallow approach that you just oh, described? Absolutely, yeah. And we, we work very hard. And it's funny because people think that the internet, the problem, there's a lot of issues with the internet, right? right? There's a lot of good and a lot of bad. Right. People think that the, the biggest issue is what's on the internet. Right. There's a bigger issue than what's on the internet, and the issue is that the internet c- conditions you to not think deeply on anything. So what you're building are individuals that grow up in a world where if they're not being stimulated every second of their lives, they don't get anything. So they don't take the time to think through things when it gets bored. That's why Shachris, for example. And in the book, you'll see when you go through the, when you have the habits chapter, you right. see what Kodesh Baruch Hu's doing is actually fit. He built the place. He knows what he's talking about, right? Like, he's like, I got you. Everyday habits and rituals. And what Shachris is supposed to do is, if you do the same thing every single day, after a while, since you know it already, it feels very regular and habitual, you're supposed to go deeper. However, it takes time to go deeper, right? You need, there's patience. It, it gets a little, quote unquote, boring, if you will. But in the depth, that's when you find the greatness. But if you live in a world where everything is stimuli, stimuli the minute you feel a drop of boredom, you see people all the time, they're on a train. Yep. The second, they're at a wedding. The second, that little bit of like boredom, it's a second that it's like not being stimulated. What do they do? Straight to the phones. Right. So when you put that into your job, into your career, into your wife and husband, into your kids, and they want you to read Goodnight Moon for the 80th time, and you're like, I am so bored. Let me put the phone behind your head and pretend I'm talking to you. So, yeah, you wonder why kids are like, yeah, mom and dad don't know who I am. Yeah, because most of my experience when I'm on the swing after two swings. Enough is enough. <laughs> enough is enough because I need to be stimulated. That's all conditioning. That's all mental conditioning. 
that's going on. You read the book, you'll see exactly how it works. And you can you can come around that. You can fix that. And you can you can sort of condition your brain for more depth. Interesting. Charlie Harari is here. You hear him Thursdays right after JM in the AM with Unlocking Greatness on the Nahum Siegel Network. There is a brand new book. It's called Unlocking Greatness, The Unexpected Journey from the Life You Have to the Life You Want. Uh, this was released when? Officially what day? It's officially tomorrow. Tomorrow's the release yeah. day. So you can order everything. Any, everything gets ordered today. Is, it, today is the, official, the unofficial launch because right. when you click purchase today, you get it tomorrow. Right. But tomorrow is the official launch date of the book. Cool. So and go to all the usual places on the web in order yeah. to uh... Amazon.com. You go to I have a website, Unlocking Greatness Book. Um, so if you go there, you get like all this free stuff that I give away to get people to order. Um, but otherwise you go to Amazon. Including some of the charts that you have in here, right? Yeah. I, we actually have a we have a bunch of charts in there. We actually we turned it into like a thirty five page, really nice color pdf that you can just download for free if you go to unlockinggreatnessbook.com very cool um and if you but it's got it's got to order today tomorrow because all these all these givings are given away before the launch date which right. is officially tomorrow all right so try to uh, order it today everybody unlocking greatness charlie harari you get all those bonuses and the tomorrow's the official launch date so we say mazal tov to you um so the book opens with <laughs> with what many would call a typical conversation with uh with the, I don't know, average uh, husband and dad, you know, who's speaking to you and the story that you tell about, you know, what sounds like, you know, he's not getting out of life what he wants to get out of life. And when he says, and when you say to him, well, what do you want out of life or whatever the exact, you know, question was you asked him, he sort of gives a legitimate answer, in my opinion. He says that, you know, I want a good career, family life, you know, appreciate my kids, this and that. And you, the way, based on the way he said this, you're saying to yourself, no, 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 no. There's, some, there's something here. He's not really telling me what he really wants. What is the difference between what he said and what he really wants? Yeah, that's, that's, I'm happy you brought that up. That's exactly right. Most of us, w w if you really get down to what, why many of us feel unsatisfied, like you see people walking around, and, and this has almost been cliched, but you, know, you look at the, the generation that unfortunately is passing away. They're getting older. God should bless them, the Holocaust generation. And then you just sort of skip two generations, and you look at their kids or even three to grandkids. Right. And if you if you really went into the life of anyone from the Holocaust and you would say, listen, in a couple of years, you'll have this. They'll be like, we're dancing in the streets. And you speak to some people that are living the lives that we have, right? The lives that we live with Minion every day or everywhere in the world. And they can't believe it. And we're unsatisfied. Right. People are generally unsatisfied. And Even question, though we have everything. Everything, right? right? In fact, we have things that like, <laughs> it's so beyond like what anyone would have dreamed about. Like, you know, you walk into a bar mitzvah, if there's no sushi, you're like, there's a God in this world, you know what I'm talking about? Like, there's the thing And it's that, gone way beyond that. <laughs> right. And, and, and why is it, like if we really, so, so there's gratitude, things like that, but he, the right. reason that, that, that I think really is the core of it is because we cut and paste what we want in this world from other things. We cut and paste it. Like as a kid growing up, they teach us, here's what you want out of life. And they list it for us. And we look around the world and the world teaches us. And, and you, family, career are usually part of it. Exactly. Right. Family, career, this, that. And we right. sort of, we have a list of what we want in life. Right. But we never actually take the time to get under the core of what we are after. What are the things, what does that mean to me? Why do I want a family for? Why do I want to, what do I want to accomplish in this world? The, the depth. I want connection with human beings. I want a connection with myself. I want to bring, I want to contribute something to this world that makes me feel that intangible feeling like we spoke about getting up in the morning but why wouldn't career and family cover that it could if you're focused on what you want why was that guy not focused in your it, opinion because what he was doing was he was cutting and pasting what he should want how do you know that 
because of the way he said it. Because the it way, was, it didn't look like he meant it. Because if he really wanted a connection with his wife and his kids, not I want this type of wife and these many kids. If he really wanted a career that he was contributing to the world, not I have this much money so I can buy these many things so that the people think that I'm successful. Right. Right. And that's the game. It's subtleties. Life is about the nuance. The difference between the guy that bounces down the street and the guy that walks with his shoulders down, they can have the exact same life, but one guy is one inch deep on the surface and one guy is living underneath the surface. And that's what God wants from us. He says, listen, I'm going to give you a life, but don't be shallow, deep. What You don't want to get married. You want to connect to another soul. That nuance is massive. Because being married could be, I want someone to work for me right. and to make me feel good and and to and cater my needs. So if this person was really committed to his marriage and to his family, you believe that it would have come out in the conversation. He would you. be on fire. If you, you, you'd feel it just speaking to me. You'd feel yeah, it. you see people that if you see people that get married or that have children and they are so committed to their families, their relationships, unless there's a major exception, they're they're strong. And it's not like I want to get married or I want to have shalom bias. They hop that it's not just a check on the checklist. They're 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 sacrificing for right. it, and they're happy about it. And so there's yeah, a happiness to it because that's the, that, the the key is that happiness is the product of the work. Right. We think that happiness is like a gift that someone gives us on the doorstep. <laughs> it's like when you come home and like the kids are like, Daddy, you're the greatest thing in the world. And you're like, well, I feel happy. No. <laughs> happiness is what you feel when you're doing what you should be doing. Right? Happiness is the product of when, real happiness, not like the, the momentary stuff. The, one that, the stuff that lasts is the product of I have sacrificed for what I've believed in. I have sacrificed for what I should sacrifice for. And I have the strength to be vulnerable. And I have the strength to try. And, and have, that could be in career as well. 100%. Right. It should be in career. In fact, that's why some people are so un- upset in their careers. They're so dissatisfied because... Even if they have the money, even if they have the 20-hour-a-day work days, they're still dissatisfied. Right. And, and one of the greatest things, we call this in the business world, golden handcuffs. One of the greatest misconceptions is that money will bring you career satisfaction. Mm-hmm. That's what a golden handcuff is. You're in a job that you hate, but they pay you enough money to stay. Right. So you don't love what you do. You don't sacrifice what you're doing you're not contributing and what i mean that guy doesn't wake up early in the morning happy to go to work the guy who has a job and all he's doing it for is the money yeah. does not wake up early in the morning what he does is he wakes up early in the morning many of them to make more money because he thinks They'll that the reason happy. why i'm not happy is because the house only has two extensions right, right? if i'd go here third, for pesach right. then i would like click into some magic happiness feeling and i don't mean that in order to be happy at work you have to be in the nonprofit sector right there are a lot of people. Or that you are, can't go away for Pesach. Right. You can go away for Pesach. Right. You go for Pesach. Just, exactly. just don't make that the. Right. If the your thing whole you, goal in life right. is where you vacation, right. you can still do that. God bless you. I'm not judging right. you. I'm just saying that it's not going to make you happy. What makes people happy is the connection. And in the book, we speak about the connection. We call it unified energy. Unified energy is the closest English word we found to or ain't sof, right? Because at the end of the day, what Hashem really is, we spoke about this on the show a lot, He's not up. Right, we put God up and be like, "Hey, I know you're up there. I'm down here. Can you like give me some goodies?" It doesn't really work that way. He's not up. He's in. Hashem is in everything. The or, the energy of Hashem is everything. And the feeling you have that feels great is when you take your or, your piece of Hashem, and you connect it to Hashem's greater or. When you connect something to something deeper to yourself, that feeling of connection is what feels good. That's why when one takes care of somebody, 
the way they think God that they want God to take care of them. They feel somewhat godlike. They exactly. feel like, you know. Amahu Afat, the principle Hashem says is if you really want to be like me, then you gotta act that way. Right. That's why and by the way, and I told this in the book, try it, it's incredible. You're having a bad day, you pass by a door, stop and hold door door for somebody else. It's incredible. In a second, that person walks through, they smile at you, and you feel different. How come you feel different? Like what'd you do? And the answer is that when you give, you're connecting to something deeper. When you're a giver in your job, in your career, with your family, what happens is you are connecting your soul to something deeper than physical, to spiritual. And it's not just in shul. It is in shul. But one of the greatest misconceptions that we have is we think that God only exists in shul. It's in everything. You can find Hashem everywhere and you can increase the level of your soul and the way you feel about things every second of your life. And when you look at life by what you get, you get a wife, you get kids, you get a job, you get money, you'll never feel you happy because getting and taking is physical. You, By the way, and it applies even in Torah. You see people that are learning hey. and they take daf and they get shas and their goal is not to give their mind to God. Their goal is to get some wisdom to feel smart or to finish something. And their God bless them. Or to just good. tell everybody that they, that they did not feel me every exactly. day. Exactly. <laughs> and, and it's good. Keep on doing the daf. Right. I'm, I'm telling you not to show up. I'm saying, then you see some people that will do one line a week, but they're giving their entire soul to one line of shas, and they walk out of that room, and nobody knows who they are, and they don't say, I finished the masechta, and they just feel intangibly different. Same Gemara, same wife, same kids, same job, same parents. The difference is one person's giving, sacrificing, tapping into spirituality. One person's taking. And when you do the, that difference, that nuance is everything. Now, if you combine the two together, if your brain is conditional, right, it's conditioned, right? And if your soul is based on giving, now here's the secret to everything. If you can condition giving into every aspect of your life, now you've unlocked your inner greatness. And uh, a good example of that would be, what would be a far-flung example of trying to incorporate giving into some area of life that usually is not associated with giving? What would be an example? What would be an example of that? I mean, and everything that you would do in life. Your whole life is your capacity to be a giver. And you can do, like, uh, the way I tell the, the students when I do this is that it's just moving the bar up. Every just right, right now, people that are listening right now, just look at three things that you do during the day. Take okay. your career, take your family, and then take God. Take right. three things just today, and and tell yourself today I'm going to move the bar from being good, getting by, to being great. I'm going to sacrifice a little bit more. So when I go daven or learn today, I'm going to push the nos- the needle just a drop. So I'm going to concentrate more than I ever think I could, just a little bit. When I get home, and I usually expect this, I'm going to push it a drop and help or say, or say smile or hang with my kids. When I go to my work today, I'm going to push whatever I do a little bit more. And I'm only going to do it, only to be a giver. I don't expect any money. Mm-hmm. No one's going to tell me you're a great husband. God doesn't going to give me more golden coins from heaven. Just the deal. If you push just push it up a drop. Like imagine like as if like you're in a plane. Just move it up a drop. What you'll find is that while you do it, it's going to be physically a little painful, but you're going to feel a little intangible like what was that? So when you say giving, you're talking about the traditional methods of giving. Nothing Absolutely. nothing far flung as I suggested. Just doing what, you know, acting a drop differently at work, acting a drop differently at home, positive of course, and, uh, and in synagogue, just, you know, 
Ha- having uh, having the proper intent for at least one of the brachos. Right, exactly. Don't get dropped. Don't, before you leave, you know, like when you take the, we take the spaceship, right. before you leave by the first, you know, Baruch Atah, just hold on until Magen Avram, and then you can book out until Modin. Right? That's the idea. And, and, You're a realist, I see. <laughs> but, but, but people, and that this is a, another major misconception. People think that greatness is this massive thing. But when you really look oh, at the... That's why I wanted to ask you about the title of the book. Because you just said three minutes ago in this conversation that that, what you just described, unlocks your greatness. Those small little gestures that you just recommended, those unlock your greatness. Greatness is a big term, you know, and and it is the title of the book. Are you suggesting that, that if one makes those small little adjustments to their life, then they're in fact in the greatness arena already? I'm saying even more. I'm saying that if you look at anybody in the world that's great, and this is what we, we spoke a little bit about this on the show last week. Any, if you look at anyone in the world that's great, quote unquote great, right? Let's take people that we see, like an athlete, or oh, you or, do mean physically great as well. Physically great, or take spiritual greatness. If you right. look at the people that we say they're there, and you go, if you go from literally from 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 side to side, you take someone who's a Super Bowl athlete and Lahav, you take someone who's a Gadol Hador, right? right? If you just take someone who's great, and you put a microscope in their life, they have done most likely nothing great. What they do is everything in their lives are constantly in motion to being better, right? The athlete who throws, when Nick Foles throws the pass on the line to win the Super Bowl, he is great. No, he's not. That pass was just him sitting in a room a bajillion times throwing throwing the same football but saying to himself when he was eight years old, how do I throw it a little bit better? The difference is that the world clicked on and watched him on throw a million, and we go, oh, he's great. Right, no, his greatest moment, right? That, that, the thing he did, the action that he did is a very small action of throwing a ball. It's just that he pushed himself a little bit every day to unlock his greatness. Lahavdil, you see a Gadol who knows Shas, who Davins, stories that we have of Moshe Feinstein, who had the most impeccable Midos. And we like to say, oh, because they came on this earth, and when he was four years old, somebody hit him with a bike, and he got up and said, thank you so much. And he opened up a safer, and he was like, oh, all a shas. It's not true. It's not how it works. There, I'm sure there are stories like this, <laughs> and I'm sure there's an Ashama out there, and someone's going to be like, no, okay, I got gotcha. What he did and what made him great was when he started learning, he said, I'm going to give everything to this bracha. Right. To this line. So when one is great in the area of finance, and you know law and finance and that whole arena, when one is great at that, what are they doing on a daily basis to get great? And is that considered greatness? Many of us, you know, the athletes, we can understand. I am watching a level of greatness that that really almost nobody else on earth, we just had the Olympics, almost nobody else on earth can duplicate, right? Um, I just said before you got in here, I was speaking about this uh, from woman in Israel who was the number one Israeli, uh, a from woman, number one Israeli woman in the Jerusalem Marathon on Friday. Wow. So that's a level of greatness, right? And we can understand what they, what she did every, even though mm-hmm. we can't relate to it, we can understand what she did every single day in order to get to this point, right? Yeah. But finance, the legal field, those who sit at a desk all day, what are they doing to obtain that greatness and to enhance their lives? And is there a spirituality to it? Uh, yeah, and exactly that's my life, right? This is what I'm doing, right? I work in real estate, I'm in finance, legal. This is what I do a lot of my day. The way they get great, and people think that they're like geniuses. These they're not they're not geniuses. Most I mean, the people are smart, but what they're doing is they're looking at their craft. 
whether it's this particular area of law or this particular area of finance or real estate or, or commodities, whatever you're doing, what people are doing is they are looking at their trade and pushing themselves to understand it a little bit better every day. You have a building. How do I make that building run? How do I buy it smarter? When I look at a deal on a street, what part of that deal am I missing? How do I get better every day at the work that I do? When I'm a lawyer, how do I read things, structure deals, defend clients? What do I got to do to become better slowly every day of my life? That's how they get better. And it's not more likely that a physically great athlete would be happier than a than a cerebrally great lawyer. No. One, one has nothing to do with the other. In fact, the other way. Even I, though for us it's easier to understand the greatness and how they obtained it when it's a physical trait. I think the greatest people that are at the greatest risk of being unhappy are athletes. Because athletes spend so much of their time. Listen, the world-class athletes know right. it's all a mind game, right? right? Tom Brady knows it's 90% in his mind because that's it's all the game up here. But when you look at people that are physically great, and I would even go further. When you look at people that are successful, remember, great and successful are not the same thing. right? right? Greatness is who you are. Right. Success is what the world gives you. And that's a whole nother cheshman, right? Whether or not, and this is, by the way, a huge difference. When you are working on your inner greatness, you start to feel so good about yourself because you're doing what you should be doing that the world doesn't have to give you as much as the people that sort of go by and expect it all, right? You don't need- Again, the, you become a giver more than a taker, right? Exactly. Right. People that are successful, let's take athletics or even in finance, right? In areas that are not mind or soul-related success, they are at a major risk point because they're feeding, their brains are conditioned to feed off success. Right. And when that success doesn't come because of factors out of their control, they have a hard time, unless they are prepared for it, readjusting. Right. The athlete who is successful at athletics, when he's 35, he's already over the hill. Right. He's got 70 years left of his life, but right. he's only conditioned himself to connect his greatness to being on a field. And he only kept getting greater from, I don't know, the age of 12 on. like you know, Exactly. When you take someone who's, 30s, right? who's successful at business, unless they're developing their larger mind, if they're not givers, the market may crash. So when you sat with that guy, getting back to the beginning of the book, Unlocking Greatness, when you sat with that guy, who obviously, I don't remember if you said it or I just implied it as I'm reading it, is he's obviously somebody in the world of finance, it seems, right? Yeah, he was a banker. Okay, a banker. So he's in the world of finance. So it is possible that you would have sat with him in Starbucks and you would have gotten a vibe, this guy's really great. Sure, this guy's really, it's not because he's in finance that, that, that he's in this state. He could be in any field that he would be in this, I don't want to use the word depressed because it sounds like a clinical word, but it, it, anybody could be in this you know, down state of affairs. Oh, yeah. I've seen people that are sitting in positions that are supposedly like the most inspiring you know, teachers, right. and, and they are literally in a place of misery. And I've seen people in complete finance. And and, and, they're the and you've seen teachers who are- Yeah, the greatest people in the world. Right. Wherever you are in life- Experiencing great joy. Yeah. Wherever you are in life, if you believe you belong there and you're doing it for the right reasons, that's where you belong. Right. There, there isn't a path to Hasha. Every the, the, the goal is everybody. And that, by the way, is- you look back two generations ago, and, and I miss these times, or like or even three, and you see people like my great-grandparents, 
they they could have been they could have been sweeping floors right. and they they they're connected to God they're they, they're and they're proud of themselves like only and the, that's all they expected from each other yeah because the cause, floors was fine as long as they're spiritually inclined and they're where they're supposed to be on Shabbos and absolutely all. they they weren't thrown in this world of like if I don't reach this grade this level of net worth this many likes on this we live now in a world of like it's like a fishbowl of materialism. Where all of us have to reach levels of things for us to feel like we're worth it, right. and if you're not, if you're getting an 82 on a test, you get a call. Uh, your son, in, but isn't he in like first grade? Yeah, I know. We're worried about him. Maybe we should give him some drugs. So you're like, what? You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe we should like you know turn him into a zombie for the back in like there was a time where like you get to just be anything. You could be a woodcutter. You can be you can be taking the the the, the water from the well if you did it right. If you did it as a giver, if you did it with all of your soul, whatever you do, you could connect to the deepest portions of yourself. And I do this, by the way. After I wrote this book, I got to tell you honestly, I walk the streets and I have all that usual like bias, like, oh, this person's important and that person's important. You know that usual stuff we walk with? And I look at every person now from the book and I'm like, this person that I'm looking at could be the greatest person in the world. I don't know. You take some immigrant that comes in oh, yeah. who's working 25 hours a day and putting, they could be the greatest person in the world. God could look at them and go, look at this person, humble, everything to this family, killing for what's right. You can see a, a mother out there who looks like a regular mother. She could have two or three kids with neshamas that come into this world in bodies that don't really work, so to speak. Right. And God could look at her and go, Your, the whole world is being held up by you and nobody even knows you. That's Greatness, and if we just change the perspective, we I, we'd want to be like them, and not just trying to be as close as we can to whoever has more Instagram posts in the secular world that we can sort of be as close as we can to. You know what I mean? Charlie Harari is here. The book is called Unlocking Greatness. Order it today, everybody. Trust me, you will be uh, thrilled with my recommendation. Unlocking Greatness is the name. You know the name from the uh, Thursday show that follows JM and the AM. Hosted by Charlie Harari, you have some great people who have, uh, including Dr. Pelkovitz, who means a tremendous amount to this audience, yes. who have uh, approbations for the book. Um, and it is a Rodale, right? Is that yeah. correct? A Rodale release, R-O-D-A-L-E. Also mentioned, uh, Charlie mentioned earlier that some of the extras that you can receive with the book are available today because the official launch is tomorrow. So if you order the book today, uh, you're entitled to those extras. And of course, you'll receive the book. Uh, essentially this week because, yeah. uh, hey, it's, it's is there a big party, big celebration? What's going on? I'm actually going to be – we, the tour starts today. You're the first stop. Thank you very much. This is the beginning. I am honored. <laughs> this is, we're going, thank God, to a whole bunch of cities across the country for the next two and, uh, and a half weeks until Pesach. Um, but the official sort of uh, – I don't know if it launched, but it's going to be in Yeshiva University uh, Wednesday night. Nice. Uh, Wednesday night. This yeah. week. This week. So we're doing actually a great event. We're doing an event tonight in Chazak in Queens. Tomorrow i got a great event. You know, you know LTB? LTB or, or P-Tex, great organization. In right. We're doing an event in Crown Heights tomorrow night with them. And then Dr. Pelkowitz and other people. Um, uh, Wednesday why, night? Wednesday night because a, a lot of the material here came from my course there. I taught in the business school for a bunch of years. So I'm going to go back to Yeshiva University and... Uh, and that, you know, Dr., you know, Rabbi Salvatrix mentioned in the book, sure. so we're gonna have a, well, you know, go back there and hopefully talk about it. If God's listen, it's all from Hashem. Whatever He wants, hopefully it'll be, uh, hopefully it'll be nice. It must be an amazing feeling when you're, when you're told that you've actually changed someone's life. When you're told that when when you and now, you know, people think you know, to change someone's life has to do a big thing, as you just described. It could be a little tiny adjustment, and they'll they'll experience a big change. 
Yeah, small uh, adjustments. With this book, you'll probably be hearing that more and more. I please, hope so. Uh, Thank you. With your, your with your mouth to God's ears, if 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 one person uh, is inspired a little bit, it's worth it. And that's really true. When you're writing it, you you know writing it writing it make I feel very vulnerable. You put yourself out there a lot. You know you got to get out there and write. And it took a very long time. I mean, speak about the small things. Just to write that took a, a year. And it's just, and when you give it to these, you know, you give it to the to the editors, and they just rip it to shreds, and, and it's almost like no way. And then you write it again, <laughs> and then you give it again, and they just they rip it until they finally think it's worth it. And don't be insulted by this question. Why were they interested in this book? I have no idea. Seriously, I, I, seriously, you know, to, to get into that world, you know, it's it, it's a, it's a four year process. It starts with putting a proposal together, and then sending it out to all these agents, and then from an agent going into all these publishing houses, and then. And then it's all God. It's really all God. We had this one person. Uh, my agent is from Dallas, Texas, and she picked it. And, and I can't. And the, the, it's just uh, the, the story of how we got here. If I just told, we'd have to do a full show on it. It's a hundred small little. I I think they're divine little nuances, and that's I think how Hashem runs the world. Nuances. He doesn't split a C anymore. Those days, are, you know, we're, we're celebrating. We went through that. We went through that, already, right? He's like, okay, I got C's. I'm done splitting C's. Okay, it can mess you guys up more than help you. So, if you care about a C, just go read about it in the book. It's the small things that God does for us, right? Like He just happens to have the Egyptian army at 8:30 sitting there while the Israeli force. Like the small things, you know. And some people don't see it, and some people do, and that's how life works. If you want God to see God in your life, start paying attention in small so ways. So this process oh. showed you God in your life. Oh my gosh, the smallest thing. The, the co-writer I've got co-writer. He's, he's a he's a wonderful fellow. He's Mark out of, D'Agostino. So he was. Where is New, he from? He's from City? New Hampshire. He actually wrote. You know Rudy. You know the movie sure. Rudy. So Rudy was my first uh, recommendation. Cool. He wrote his book. We met over coffee. I just told him what I wanted to write, and he's like. You know, I'll help you write it. And he helped me write the whole thing. And he happened to have been in the office of an agent a while ago and said, you got to pick this book versus that. But this crazy sort of, and the person who picked it up in Rodale, all these, it was just a, a long process of small little things. And, and along the way, just trying to push yourself to, to just try to work harder every day. That's Were they I mean. intrigued by your speaking career or that was completely separate from the proposal for the written word? I think it was separate. I think I, I I can't tell. I don't know. I think I think a lot of it was the the ambition of trying to say we're going to do something that's going to be a little bit more. We're not just going to hit a nuance. We're going to push harder and give you a little bit more. What's interesting about the book, which I think is unique with God's help, is a lot of times you find a book that's sort of one dimensional. It's about your mind or about your soul. Or about your. We tried to do a whole bunch of things. We tried to do four chapters on the mind, four chapters on the soul, right. and five chapters on like you know practical application. So I think that was a little intriguing to them, but I, I honestly think they were like, we're not even sure this is going to work. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't know what Rodale's expectations right, They're like, are. you know what, go try. We'll tell you no thank you later. <laughs> and I got to tell you, my first draft, it came pretty close. <laughs> when I gave my first draft, they were like, um, we're not sure, so why don't you try again? And I mean, I'm, I'm being a little bit, you know, sort of... Uh, and eventually came together. And thank God. Listen, it's all from Hashem. Thank God. It really... Um, and I hope... I, listen, I hope people like it. I hope people are happy. And and like you said, it really comes down to it. And I've learned this through the book. It's really the small nuances. It's just... If you just tweak at the margins every day for the rest of your life. And that's the story of Sphere Settlement. You can have the life you want if you make those small adjustments. Yeah, and that's it. We're, we're searching for some life, and God's like, I gave it to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're all like, if you give me this, God, God's like, huh? I, no, 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 I gave it to you already. Like, I know what I'm doing. Just look at the life I gave you, but now look at it with the with the lenses of 
make it better every day and trust me when you get to the end of it you'll say oh by the way you gave me the right life. I mean there are people in really 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 difficult circumstances who to say make the most of it is an understatement yeah yeah and, they, and they get what you just said yeah there are people in real challenges and they're they are the greatest people that we have and because we live in a world where we're so focused on these material sort of markers of success many times we just fly right by them and think the greatest people are the ones with the those the the, the gold medals around their necks and i'm not taking it from olympic athlete but it's it's the greatest people we have are those people that are just making their lives better with what and and with happiness and right. joy, and we miss it. And and it's the Holocaust generation that we we're, we're losing every day. Right. You know, I lost my grandfather this year. You know that. And and that's a that's a generation as as of people that just were the greatest people ever. Not because they all hit some kind of like you know benchmark of financial net worth. And we know people. You know people. I know people that are living greatness the right way. And if all of us lived that way, every day getting better, we, we would be different people. Our nation would be different. Our kids would be different. They would grow up different with the technologies and they would just grow up different. They would grow up with all that they have, but they would have this intangible like, no, every day, give more, give a little bit, push. And it's not major. It's just a little pers different perspective. You're the one who uh, told the world, take the shot, right? <laughs> and you took a shot here. I hope so. What did Wayne Gretzky say? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? So you right? took a shot on this book. Right, let's hope it goes in. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling I have a feeling you're, uh, and you know, they called him the great one. Yeah. Right. They called very good. I should have put that in the book. Yeah, why haven't I talked to you beforehand? <laughs> I have a feeling this one is heading straight to the net. Uh, the Unexpected Journey from the Life You Have to the Life You Want. The title is Unlocking Greatness. Charlie Harari with Mark D'Agostino, Rodale Books. Check it out. We recommend you uh, order it today because if you order it today, it's considered a pre-order. You get all the bonuses and all the special things uh, that um, that are being offered with the book. You could also go to unlockinggreatnessbook.com, right? Mm -hmm. Unlockinggreatnessbook.com. Yeah. Or Amazon. Or, or Amazon, of course. And all the information is there. Just search uh, Charlie Harari, Unlocking Greatness. Well, Mazal Tov to thank you. Thank you, and thank you for the opportunity to talk to you A about A pleasure, today. and I am flattered that this was the first stop on the big this book is, launch of tour. Of course, this is family. Thank this you is very it. Much. That show, you know, but you're a, you're a big big part of my life. You're a big part of the Jewish people. And speaking of Unlocking Greatness, you are definitely an individual that has done so and continues to do so every single day of your life. I appreciate that very much. As you said earlier, from your mouth to God's ears, how I hope you're accurate on that. Uh, Charlie Harari, I thank him for visiting us here on a Monday morning at JMNAM, seven minutes before nine o'clock. Shut up, 
J.M. in the A.M. There we go. Simcha Liner with Ribono off of the Moroccan album here at J.M. in the A.M. We're getting set to wrap up 
a Monday morning edition. Tomorrow, Yeshiva League Sports Update. Uh, we know that there's a lot to talk about because of all the uh, rescheduled basketball games due to the storm last week. Plus, guess what? We're expecting a storm tomorrow, so we'll see what happens with that. And, of course, Sunday we'll be broadcasting the uh, hockey championships at NahumSingle.com on the homepage with a big thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm and our friends at the Regal Bank of New Jersey. The uh, next edition of the Israel Show is next with Mayor Weingarten. He'll cover last week's APAC conference. What was Albert Einstein's advice when asked by a colleague if he should make Aliyah? The Israel Show reveals a surprise winner at Friday's Jerusalem Marathon. I have a feeling it may be the one we discussed earlier. And not to be missed, Israeli music mix, of course. It's all coming up. Um, it is all coming up on the Israel Show next here, right after JM and the AM. Achenu Yisrael and Achim brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com, on the NachumSegal Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSNF. And that wraps up an amazing Monday here at JMNM with a big thank you to Charlie Harari for making us stop number one on his book, Publicity Tour. Check out Unlocking Greatness, search it online, and buy it today. Mayor Weingarten is next with The Israel Show. Yoni Pollock and Seth Gordon with um, all the sports news starting at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. The show is called After Further Review. Have a fabulous Monday. Till tomorrow, Malcolm Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.